You know, I guess it's time I need to make a statement to you. I thank God for the Jeannie Bowser, Chloe, and the kid, and the, the, the Department of Kids. Let's give them a big hand. You know, you, you need what you're teaching your kids supplemented. They need to be able to go into a church where they're hearing the gospel and reading the Bible and learning to grow in God. And let me tell you something. We've had kids in here that went home and got their parents saved. That's quite, that's quite an astounding thing. And then by the time they get in the youth, you better straighten up because your teenagers are going to be more on fire for God than you are. Amen, amen, amen. I had someone compliment us one time and said, I, you, you got the most on fire teenagers I've ever seen in my life. I mean, the way they conduct themselves when they leave this church is off the chart good. Amen. And, you, and we should be proud of them. Yeah, thank God for them. Are you all ready for the word? All right, how much time do I have? Lord, have mercy. I'll just redeem it in Jesus' name. Give me some time. Help me, Heavenly Father. I've been preaching a sermon called um, Trees of Righteousness. All I have is part three and part four. I don't know what else to name it. I'm not good with naming stuff. But anyway, we're gonna, I want to read a scripture to you, and, and then we're going to make some statements and just minister the word to you. Amen? Amen. In, in the book of Isaiah, chapter 60, um, I'm just going to jump down to verse 3. It says, To console those who mourn in Zion, to give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they may be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. Righteousness is probably the single most misunderstood subject in the Bible. You, anywhere you go, anytime you refer and talk to any Christian, anywhere, almost, without fail, they will look at you and quote Romans 10, Romans 3.10, there is none righteous, no, not one. That is in the Bible, it's in the New Testament, but it does not apply to you if, if you're born again. It, Paul was not teaching you that you're not righteous. He was teaching you that you're not righteous by keeping the law, but righteousness is a gift from God by faith. Now, why would God make you righteous by faith? Why would he do it? Because you couldn't get there on your own no matter what you did. Your and my issue in this earth was that we were dead in sin. We were dead in sin. You can't go to the morgue, pull a dead guy out, and say, if you'll straighten up, we'll let you out. Right. You might as well forget it. He's just going to lay there real cold and look at you. When you and I, when Jesus came to the earth, and next Sunday we'll get into the incarnation of God. Uh, it's a powerful, powerful truth that God became human and took on humanity. And we'll get into that. It's just, it, it's phenomenal. It's, someone said, how can a man be 100% God and 100% man? I don't know, but he did it. We don't have to understand everything he did. To, to, uh, okay. But then again, why would God do that? Why would he make you righteous? Because he loved you and he wanted a family. He wanted relationship and fellowship with you. And he couldn't do it with sin. And he, he didn't do it because he wanted you to become a Christian. He made you one instantly. And you fight all battles from victory. You're not trying to become. You can get saved and then turn around and walk in the throne room and walk with God like you've never done a thing wrong in your entire life. The only one that could do that would be God. That is the gospel. Now, as long as you're struggling with righteousness, and everybody does to some degree, everybody struggles because all of us are aware of our humanity. I am aware of my shortcomings. Some of you are aware of my shortcomings. And we're aware of yours. And because of that, it hinders us. But God doesn't see you that way. He sees you in Christ. So teaching you 
to be rooted in righteousness is the very thing that you need in order to live victoriously on this earth. To the degree you're rooted in righteousness, you'll live victorious. To the degree that you're not, you will not live victoriously. Now, that's not God doing that. God is not responsible for how much you know about what he did. He did his part, and now we have to do our part. We have to grow in righteousness. We have to grow in it. So in Isaiah, and I want you to go to John 20, 21, and then I'm, gonna, I'm just going to quote a few scriptures. While we're in the earth, we are now taking Jesus' place. Now that's quite a shock to people. Because they think, well, Jesus is Jesus, and who am I? Well, Jesus came, and he is the first Adam. And and when he walked the earth, he he, he took your place, and then he put you back in fellowship with God. And now we are taking his place in the earth. Now let me read a scripture to you. It says, and when he said that, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. Verse 21, peace to you as the Father sent me, I'm sending you. You and I are to represent Jesus Christ in the earth. So he made you righteous so you could do that. So that you and I could now walk with God again. Most Christians don't know that. You, You heard a gospel all of your life to your detriment. Come to Jesus and go to heaven. He didn't come just to get you to heaven. He came to get you back to God so you could walk with God. Now, let, let, me, let, let me quote another scripture, Acts 10.38. Pop Acts 10.38 on screen, we're going to go there. In the body of Christ today, and I'm saying this to prompt you, most people will ask someone pray for me. The reason you do that is you aren't confident that God cares about you at all. Well, that's good preaching. And, and that's, that's a fallacy. That's completely not true. But that mindset rules you, and you learned it in church. You learned it listening to preachers who told you there's none righteous, no, not one. And someone like me comes along and says, you have been made the very righteousness of God in Christ. And, you're, and that sounds almost like heresy. But when you think about what I'm fixing to say right now, the book of Romans is kindergarten material. If you have preachers who don't understand the book of Romans, they don't even know, they, I doubt they know God. Well, that's a powerful statement. Learning that you're righteous by faith is, is ABC, one, two, three. 26 letters in the alphabet. And in order to make it through school, you really must know 26 letters. In this. That's really foundation. And if you're going to be a banker someday, you're going to start with one and there's 10 numbers. And you're going to need to know those 10 numbers. Everything is built on knowing 10 numbers. Everything. Trigonometry, probability and statistics, it doesn't matter what it is. If you're a banker, if you're a lawyer, you got to know 10 numbers. If you don't know 10 numbers, you're not going anywhere. If you don't understand righteousness by faith, you're stuck. Yes. You're always trying to find someone to help you. You're living in condemnation. Now what happens when a person lives in condemnation? They do what Adam and Eve did. Yes. They hide. They hide. Yep. You walk up, see, and, and, and I'm going to talk to you that are visitors. Thank God you came, but the chances of you going to church again next week are somewhere between slim and none. Because you're doing everything you can to hide in the bushes away from God. What for? I have no idea. He already died for you. He took your place. He paid your debt. 
you can come out of the bushes. Now, you got to have to give up the Eve's leaves. That would be Victoria's Secret. And I know that you guys want your wife to go to Victoria's Secret. That's okay. If you don't, you go in. Okay. Am I doing all right? And because of that, we have a church in America today, in the world today, that really is not doing a lot because no one ever sat back and taught you that you have been made righteous. It is a free gift, and you can enjoy God. He wants to get to know you more than you want to get to know Him. And He loves you as much as He loves Jesus. And someone needs to tell you that. All right, now look at this. How God anointed Jesus now that he went Holy Ghost by, went around doing good and healing all who oppressed by who? The devil. So who's the bad guy? The devil. All right, now, now here's where we're going to make, make a little turn. Why do we need to learn about the devil? Because he doesn't like you. And as long as you're in the earth, you're going to have trouble with him. Now, God will never do anything else about the devil ever, 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 ever again. He destroyed him, he whipped him, he defeated him, and then he rose from the dead and sat down at the right hand of God. Now go to Ephesians chapter 6. I'm fixing to get good. We're fixing to get really good here. Come on. I mean, I'm fixing to help you out a whole lot. Say, my best days are ahead of me. Now, your adversary, God. No. Okay. Your adversary, your wife. Oh, my God, I caught some of y'all. You're used to, oh, sometimes. Your adversary, your husband. No. As, as, much as, as much as people can be a little bit of pain, they're not out to steal, kill, and destroy. But there is someone who is, and it's the devil. Now, what I'm going to say right now, and I want if you don't hear anything else I say, or learn anything this year, learn this. Satan's defeated, but if you're not enforcing his defeat, he will whip you from one end to the other. He will whip you. And you'll come into church and you'll ask me, the big giant Christian question. Why did God allow that? If you're from another church, I just messed your whole life up. Why, God, did it ever dawn on you that it isn't him? I mean, he is the good guy. He has on a white hat, he has a white horse, his... Come on, I'm preaching real good. You see, every one of us are dealing with him to some degree. I'm going to get ahead of myself before I read my scripture. He is going to use guilt and shame to defeat you if you let him. If you're in a battle right now with guilt and shame, you're in a satanic battle. And God is not ever going to do anything about him. That's why the Bible says, go into all the world and teach them to do what I said, and in my name they shall cast out devils. He is not referring to you walking up to a sister in church who's full of the devil and casting her out and she vomited on the floor and puking and devils come out of her like the exorcist. When we cast a devil out Sunday morning, a lady puked everywhere. And devils came out and screaming, ah! We've had it happen in here. Not often, thank you. But we have had it. Okay. So look at this scripture right here. Okay, because we're going to get to the breastplate of righteousness. I need to tell you where we're going. Have you ever wondered why you have a breastplate of righteousness in your armor? Because without it, the devil will whip you. 
Wow, I'm doing good. You can tell me, you can thank me later, Bert. If you understood that movie, you're awesome. Okay. Finally, my brethren, be strong in what? Who needs to be strong in the Lord? Either you're strong or you're not. But you are going to need to be strong. Now, now, without the knowledge of righteousness, you're not strong. You're going to cower. Don't blame yourself. You brought that from the garden. You brought that Adam and Eve are responsible for the condition of the people in the earth today. But when Jesus came, he reversed it. Now you must learn who you are. And you must learn and you must suit up. If you don't suit up, you will get whipped. Okay, now, let's talk about those, well, I can't use bulldogs now. Oh, my God. Someone tried to get me to say roll. No, never mind, I can't say it. But anyway, now, there is a reason. Now, I'm going to come over here and ask this guy. That they make you wear a helmet. And pads. And listen, don't go on the field if you don't have on the uniform. Because there is a guy on the other side of the line who wants to bury you in the mud. Am I right? Okay, and you you know that when you go. Don't go out there in your flip-flops. And shorts and go, you'll die. <laughs> Am I right? I mean, if you're going to hit someone in the, with your head, have a helmet on. So Paul is saying, suit, when you go to prayer and with your Christian life, suit up so that you can stand having done all to stand in the fight. There's a fight. I'm preaching way better than you amen right now. Put on the whole armor of God that you may or may not be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Now, go to number two. Go to number 12. Now, you're not wrestling flesh and blood. It sure looks like it. I know you think that the other denomination is your enemy. They're not. And I know you think that the Democrats are your enemy. They're not. Then you think the Republicans are, they're not. And they may all be full of the devil, but they're not the enemy. We're going to get into that a little bit in a minute. We're going to, we're going to educate you. Educate you. You're not wrestling flesh and blood, but you are wrestling principalities, powers, and rulers of the darkness of this age, and spiritual hosts of wickedness and places. The, the, the world around you, the, in, the, in the air, because you're here in the earth, there is an enemy that's in the spirit realm, and you cannot be ignorant of him. You, you can, to your detriment, you can walk out of here and go, he's a fruitcake. And it won't bother me a bit. Because you're the one who's going to get plowed under. Don't go out on the field of flip-flops. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you might be able to withstand in the evil day, having done all to stand, stand. Now, go back, go, go to 14. So, so listen, you, you, can't, you can't ignore this. You can, you can, but you don't want to. Now, this is not a Pentecostal scripture. Wow. This is not a Kenneth Hagin scripture. This is not a charismatic scripture. This is Bible. It's in Episcopalians' Bibles. It's in the Catholic Bible, it's in a Baptist Bible, and it's in a Pentecostal Bible. Don't make truth denominational. 
Just because you ignore it doesn't mean it isn't in there. Just because you never heard it doesn't mean it's not true. Okay, okay. Therefore, having gird your waist with what? Truth. Truth. Well, we, I, I, I'm not going to right now, but we can spend an hour on that one. Truth is not heralded much today. Pe- people are not excited about the truth because it will change your lifestyle. For you to embrace it is going to make you at odds now. Not, it did not, in the 1950s and 60s, it did not because heathen were moral. Lisa and I watched a movie last night. Now, honey, I don't know the name of it. We should not, there's nothing wrong with it. Holiday Inn or something like that. Bing Crosby and what's his name? Twinkle Toes. Fred Astaire. Fred Astaire. Now, you know what? At the end of the black and white movie, not one, I waited for the whole movie for him to kiss the girl. You know, at the Hallmark's exactly four minutes. That's movie's about over. And he never kissed her. Because in 1943, no man even kissed another woman on the screen that wasn't his wife. The morals of the day, very different than now. The first curse word, I don't know whether y'all know this or not, was gone with the wind. Quite frankly, Scarlett, I don't give a rip. That's the first time a cuss word was ever uttered on the screen. And the world accepted it and they began increasing. So in the 50s, sinners lived moral. But in our society today, if you're moral, you're weird. If you still wear a suit to church, you're weird. You're awesome. Honey, don't come in here looking for skinny jeans. I don't wear skinny jeans. I have enough trouble getting jeans on much. I have to make it skinny. If I got to pour my body into a pair of pants, I ain't wearing them. That's enough of that. That's enough of that. <laughs> A little much. You're not wrestling flesh and blood against Therefore, take the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand an evil day, having done all to stand, stand. Whether you stand or not has to do with whether you've accepted the armor. Without the armor, you're going down. Number one's truth. That's another subject. I, I wished I had time. The next one is having put on what? The breastplate of righteousness. Why? Because without understanding righteousness, faith does not work in an environment of condemnation. That's true. That's good. As long as you are allowing the devil or anyone to beat you and, and, and you don't know who you are, you will lose the fight. Because the moment you get in a fight with Satan, he will bring up your past. He will. He will. And if you don't know what to do about it, you lose. Now, I'm not saying that to condemn you. I'm saying that to educate you. Because until you learn to answer Satan, he'll whip you. Remember he said to Jesus, if you're the son of God. If you're the son of God. And he looked at you and go, <coughs> you call yourself a Christian? And the way you acted yesterday, ain't no way in the world you a Christian. And then you call up Benny Hinn and go, would you pray for me? Because you know God ain't going to listen to you. Yeah, he will too. Woo, I'm doing good. I'm doing so good. All right. So understanding righteousness... Um. So the Bible talks about, let me just read, I'm going to read a little bit out of a book called 
the bloodline of a champion by, by Mark Hankins. Mark Hankins. All right. In Hebrews 9.22 it says, Almost all things are purged by the blood. Without the shedding of blood there's no remission. What does it mean? Remission of sin set means in forgiveness, but it's more than that. It, it is cancellation of penalty and the removal of guilt. Say my guilt was removed at the cross. Say hallelujah. All right. When the blood is applied by faith, the devil cannot stir up that mess from your past and make it active again. Your past is past. If you want to keep it in remission, you need to get up every morning and say, the just shall live by faith. My faith is in the blood of Jesus. When the blood was shed, I was forgiven. I am redeemed. I am free. The curse is broken. I am healed. I have access to God. I have found a meeting place, and I can meet with God through the blood of Jesus. Now, this is what I mean when I say you need to become rooted in righteousness. Until you're rooted, you're going to be defeated. Okay, I've got a, I got a few more pages. Y'all don't mind? You don't mind, Mark? Okay, now listen to this scripture. Be sober, be vigilant. Your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, is walking around looking for someone to devour. I want you to say, not me. Okay, now listen to what, this is what a lawyer... A lawyer is a prosecutor. What does a prosecutor do? He brings a constant accusation using facts of past sins and mistakes. Have you ever had a voice in your head bring up your past? Enter the devil. You have met the devil. If you've met the devil, you're probably a Christian. If you've never met him, you're probably not saved because you're not a threat. He don't mess with people that aren't a threat. If he's messing with you, you're a threat. In other words, Satan is a prosecutor. He reminds us of our failure and tells us we deserve the mess we're in. Who do you want to get healed for? Like you gonna live right anywhere. You don't live there ain't nothing to you, you old dog, you. That's the way he operates. Yeah. Now you have to have on a breastplate called righteousness to where you go, ha 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 ha, ha I plead the blood. Amen. He wants you to feel unworthy, deserving of the punishment and failure. The devil even knows enough scripture to leave you condemned. He's been to church. He started a few. I'm not going to go down that road right now. Y'all can't handle that. Smith Wigglesworth said, the moment a man is cleansed, the Holy Spirit will fall. When the blood is applied, the atmosphere of your life will change because the Holy Spirit will get involved with you. This is why, this is why we have communion. Communion's not for God. It's for you to come back and go, I like to take communion right here to remind myself that everything that happened from yesterday up until right now is over and I need to start all over again. <laughs> and God lets you do it. That's good. That's good news. Someone says, we should take communion every Sunday. Well, you should take communion at home then. We're probably not going to do it every Sunday. All right. Listen to this. The blood will reach into secret recesses of your motives and your purpose and cleanse you from all unrighteousness, all iniquity, all sin, all shame, and all guilt. The voice of your conscience declares and agrees with the Bible that you are entirely righteous. Now, he's talking about allowing your conscience to be cleansed. And we're going to get into that in just a minute. I'm not going to turn you loose until, until we get into that. I got, I got one, more, one more page over here. Two more pages. I got a whole book I want to read to you, but I can't. 
Another definition of righteousness, the ability to stand before God without a sense of guilt, sin, or inferiority. In other words, there is no sin consciousness because sin consciousness will destroy your faith. You have to get rid of the sin consciousness in your life. Okay, how? Through the blood, through Jesus. Okay. That is why the devil is the accuser of the brethren. He likes to bring up your past. He'll bring up something you've done or something you should have done and didn't do. And you didn't pray. And if you do pray, you didn't pray enough. And you didn't pray long enough. And you didn't pray in tongues. So therefore, you're damned. No matter what you do, it was not enough. You gave, it wasn't enough. You went to church, and it wasn't enough. Read your Bible, that wasn't enough either. And then if you do read your Bible a lot, you're a sorry dad. You had not played with your kids all day today. All you're doing is reading your Bible. Are you out there? I mean, he's got something ugly to say to you no matter what you do. All right. Did you know that man understands that he will never measure up? I am aware I, Daryl Morgan, pastor of the best church in Central Florida, and I'm saying this for y'all, I will never measure up. I will never be the perfect pastor. That's okay. That's why I'm washed in the blood. Amen. Amen. You see, I like heathen that get saved because they're nice to me. <laughs> heathen walk in and go, we love you. We'll get into, we're going to get into um, uh, self-righteousness in a few minutes. We'll get, we'll get into it a little bit. We'll, we're going to overcome that. Sin consciousness will destroy your faith and is a product of religion. However, righteous consciousness is a product of the gospel. The gospel of Christ is a revelation of righteousness. That means a born-again believer can stand before God without a sense of sin, guilt, or inferiority complex. Okay, um, everybody runs a little bit of a guilt temperature. Everybody does. Guilt says, I didn't do enough, should have done, could have done, wished I had done more. Psychologists say that if they could get rid of guilt, they would empty the hospital of 80% of all patients. Sickness is more to do with spiritual than it is physical. You see, a lot of what's happening in your body is because you're sitting around all day beating yourself up. And your body's taking a toll because of it. Boy, if God could ever get you to just like yourself. You love others, you love yourself. Well, you might not want to do that because if you don't love yourself very much. The source of depression... And most mental comes from guilt and shame. That's coming from hell. Say, not me. Now, you understand right now what I'm, where I'm going with this. If it, it, you, you and I need to get rooted in righteousness and learn to resist the devil and put him on the run. If you don't rebuke him, he's not rebuked. Even though he's defeated, God can't do anything about him in your life. You have to do that. Wow. Okay. That's another. That's another. No matter what happened, whether it was your fault or someone else's, the devil is going to somehow manage to make you feel bad about it. It may be things of people that you don't even know. The devil's constantly trying to produce guilt and sin and destroy your faith. Say, that's good. You want to read the book? Get in Bible school. You'll learn the rest of this. Okay. I got a prophecy here by Mary Fran. I got it out of her book. Believer, this is your day. Stand up and proclaim what your Father has promised you. Satan desires to cloak you with confusion, hurt, fear, and negative thoughts. He speaks in your ear of past mistakes and what should have been in your life. Measure these thoughts with the character of God. Holy Spirit would never speak to you of your past mistakes and failures. God will never bring them up. So what you're hearing isn't gone. Okay, now, now that I've got your attention, we can begin. <laughs> Go to Matthew 27. Whoa, I hate that clock. I'll be done here in a minute. If you're a visitor here today, we'd like to have you come back. I'm being serious. For once. 
27.15. Now look at this. What a powerful story here. Oh, I've got to find it. Now at the feast of the governor was accustomed to releasing to the multitude one prisoner whom they wished. At that time they had a notorious prisoner named Barabbas. Barabbas was a murderer, a thief, and a liar, and he was a very, 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 very wicked man. Deserved to go to the cross and die. And they got him in a cell, and he's waiting because he knows that tomorrow I'm going to die. Some of you already know where we're going. At that time, the notorious power, therefore when they had gathered together, Pilate said to them, whom do you want me to release to you, Barabbas or Jesus, who is called Christ? For he knew they had handed him Jesus over because of envy. And while he was sitting in the judgment seat, his wife sent to him and said, have nothing to do with that man. I've suffered many things in a dream because of him. But the chief priests and elders persuaded the multitude they would ask for Barabbas and destroy Jesus. The governor answered and said to them, which of, you, which of the two of you do you want me to release to you? And they said, Barabbas. And Pilate said, what then shall I do with Jesus whom you call Christ? And they said, let him be crucified. The governor said, why? What evil did he do? And they cried out the more, let him be crucified. And Pilate saw that they would not prevail at all, but rather the torment was rising. He took water, washed his hands. I don't think God accepted that. Before the multitude and said, I'm innocent of the blood of this just man. You do it. And the people answered, his blood be on us and our children. And he released Barabbas to them. And when he had scourged Jesus, delivered him to be crucified. So let's go into this story for a moment. Here's Barabbas, and he's a wicked dog. That's kind of like you, B.C., before Jesus, right? He's in a jail cell. They're coming to get him in the morning to kill him. The next day, when they would come to get him, they opened up the jail cell, and they said, Barabbas, go home. And he's like, are you waiting out to kill me? What are you, what are you doing? <laughs> no, you're free. Go home. No. I, what do you mean? I'm free. Go home. Someone took your place on the cross. I want you to put, I want you to imagine that day. And he walks out of that cell, and there's not a soldier anywhere. No one's going to arrest him, and he's going to go home and start his life over. As though he did no wrong. You are Barabbas. Someone took your place. Uh, just, I want you to, he goes home and he walks in the house and his wife goes, What are you doing here? I live here. Aren't you supposed to be on a cross? A guy named Jesus took my place. Really? Yeah, what did he do? Nothing. That is the story of righteousness. That's your cross. The damnation you feel, you did deserve it. But someone paid that debt and they paid it all. God don't even know you sneezed wrong. That is the way you need to approach the devil. So the, so the people said, Barabbas, you're a crook. No, I've been, exa no, they told me I'm free. Yeah, yeah. They told me I don't have any past. Now think about what would you, if you were Barabbas, what would you do? Don't go out and get caught again. <laughs> so righteousness was a way for you and I to start over. All right, now I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to read another scripture here. Oh, I'm out of time. Tell me I, I got in time. Say, you got to, go to Luke 18. Go to Luke 18 with me. Because all of us deal with a little bit of condemnation. We, we just do. Luke 18. Verse 9, he spoke a parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and despised others. 
In the world today, you have two kinds of people. You have those who know they're sinners and those who think they're okay. I want to make a statement to you. Self-righteousness is worse than unrighteousness. God would rather you know you're a heathen than for you to think you're okay. So I'm after the ones of you that are in here right now that are going, well, I'm a pretty good person. Without Jesus, you're on your way to hell. Without the blood, you don't have a snowball's chance in hell. Okay, so I'm just, your mother's been praying for you, so I'm going to preach to you. Two men went to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee, the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself. Wasn't talking to God. God, I sure am glad I'm not like all the other people. Extortioners, unjust, adult, I don't even have earrings in my ears. I don't even have a tattoo. I don't even have a glory to God. I hadn't even had a beer. Or even like this tax collector sitting over here, this person at Word of Life this morning, I can't believe they let them in. I fast twice a week. I give tithes every Sunday morning. But the tax collector standing afar off wouldn't so much as raise his eyes to heaven, beat his breast and said, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. Everyone who exalts himself will be humble, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. Go to 1 John chapter 1 with me now. And we'll try to close. Are you all ready? How many of you have missed it since you've been saved? Yeah. Has the devil ever brought it up? Oh, yeah. I'm going to show you something about how to get a sense of righteousness back, though you've missed it. Because that's the issue, isn't it? It's not what Jesus did. See, I've been saved for, Barbara, how, how long ago was that? 1975. That's almost 50 years ago. I mean, that's... I think I've probably done a couple things wrong since then. At least three. <laughs> Maybe four. Now look at this. If, if we confess our sin, He's faithful and just to forgive us our sin and cleanse us from what? Mm. Why did He put that in there? Did you know that when people do wrong they almost always have someone to blame. I've been pastoring over 30 years now, and the people that I get in my office, the men, that woman I married, I'm going to tell you right now, I made a mistake. She don't take care of me. She don't cook. My sex life, it ain't worth a nickel. I had a better sex life when I was a heathen. That woman, God, you need to, you need to talk to my wife. Well, she's not in here. You are. Do you really think that your wife is the problem in you in your life? Well, we'd like to, we can we can get her in here. We can, we can help her. But son, we can't help her till we get you straight. As long as someone, as long as someone else is the reason your life's messed up, then you'll never be right because you can't fix them. Now go back to the prayer the guy prayed. Heavenly Father, I missed it. Every one of us in this room, we lose a sense of righteousness when we blame someone for where we are. You know that woman you gave me, God? Man alive, you missed it bad. Don't shout me down. Let's go, let's go political. Hamas thinks the Jews are their problem. Are they? God, Adam said it was God and Eve that got him in the mess. Who got him in the mess? He got himself in that mess. Saul blamed David. Cain blamed Abel. Let me ask you a question. Who are you blaming? your problem my mama didn't raise me right 
If I'd been raised in a better home, I wouldn't be in the mess of me. Well, you went to school. You could have studied. You don't want to make F's. Ain't nobody made you make F's. You made them F's all by yourself. You the one goofed off, didn't study. Boy, I'm preaching good now. If you confess, who sins? Your own. He's faithful and just to forgive you and to release you from unrighteousness. Boom, like you never did it. I'm trying to close. Are y'all ready for this? Listen to me. Every time in my life I have ended up where my faith didn't work, I could almost always go back to somebody done me wrong. Somebody done somebody wrong song. And not taking responsibility. And understand, stuff happens. But I didn't have. You... I didn't have to yield. I didn't have to. And when you do, and when you do, as a born-again Christian, you lose that sense of righteousness. And that's why you're always going, pray for me. And I want to look at you and go, pray for yourself and do it if they're in that altar. And whatever's between you and God, get it, get it out and then get up and go home and walk with God again. Now, understand this. If the devil, he's going to do everything in his power to, do, to get you to do something stupid. He's, and all of us have done stupid. We, that was stupid. And when you do it, stop right there and go, Father God, that was wrong. I shouldn't have done that. Please forgive me for that. In in Jesus' name, wash me. Go home. Boy, I'm done with my sermon. Y'all are too quiet. I don't know how to close. I kind of stepped in the edge of this. I kind of jumped over from you being made righteous by faith in the blood to living righteous lives. And every, all of us in this room, we're standing here right, we're sitting here right now, have had situations happen that were unpleasant. Somebody did something, somebody said something. That is normal as sand on the ocean. If you're in here, somebody has done you wrong probably this week. I want you to do yourself a favor. Forget it. Why am I saying that? Because Jesus said... When you stand praying, if you have anything against anybody, now he forgave you freely. You need to learn to forgive. And when I say forgive, I mean mean cancel the debt that you owe me. You owe me nothing. Now, I'm going to make a statement right now. I don't want you all to throw anything at me. Nobody in this church owes you anything. Nobody in this earth owes you anything. You don't don't owe me anything. I am in debt to Jesus Christ. He paid a high price for me. And I am who I am because of him. And I have a debt of love that I will never pay back. And I express that by loving what he loves, which would be you, though you are ornery. Some hard to get along with. This is good preaching. That is how you get your prayers answered. That's how you walk. That's how you put on the breastplate of righteousness. I've been made washed in the blood of Jesus. And if I've missed it, Father, forgive me, and get washed again, and get up and go, say, well, wait a minute, wait a minute, how many times a day? Jesus said 480. If you are screwed up 480 times in a day, go home and go to bed. 
because you need to get up tomorrow morning and do a little better than that. That's called a good God, isn't it? Isn't that a good God? I want you to do something right now because I want you to leave knowing that God answers your prayers. I want you to be honest with yourself and say, if I've missed it and there's anything you want to deal with me about, I will stop right now and I'll take responsibility. I'll be like the guy that said, I'm not blaming other people. I'm not comparing myself with other people. I missed it and I ask you to forgive me. If someone else has done you wrong, I will tell you this. It's like when I was a young man, I used to trap raccoons and fox and stuff. I trapped animal. I did that as a boy. I took these big steel traps and buried them in the creek and the and in the dirt and covered their pans and I put bait by it and I'd come back and find an animal in there. Well, he ain't getting out until someone lets him out. When you sin, he got you. Unless someone breaks that, cuts, cuts that trap off you. Confessing sin breaks unrighteousness off you. I mean, the moment you go, I missed it. Forgive me. Trap off. This is the answer to, to overcoming pornography. Father, my wife's not the reason I'm this way. The reason I'm this way is me. Anger. Own it. Nobody made me this way. I'm that way by choice. It's wrong. I confess it. Break it off me in Jesus' name. And he'll break all unrighteousness. We could go down a list. And he'll break it off you. And set you free again. Father God, I, I got up this morning with a I asked you to do something in this building. I said, help, help me to share this where people could walk out and be free from the devil. I believe I've done, the, I've done what you asked me to do. Now I'm asking you to deal with people in this room that need to get some things straight and then get it under the blood and leave the building today free, totally free. I ask you to minister to their heart. There's no condemnation in this. This is something you gave us so we can live free on this earth. And to give you the praise and honor and glory in Jesus' name. I have a video. I'm, we're out of time. We're way out of time. It's a song by Big Daddy Weave. If, would you, if you would hit that, I want you to listen to what he's singing in this song. If, can you do that for me? You didn't, you didn't get it? You didn't get it? Okay, listen. Justin said he didn't get it. There's a, on the internet, there's a, there's a song called Redeemed by Big Daddy Weave. There's also one by Mercy Me called Flawless. You, you need to listen to music that causes you to be righteous conscious. And, and anyway, by next Sunday, next Sunday's Christmas, we won't do it next Sunday because we have to do ho, ho, ho next Sunday. And uh, after that, we'll, we'll do some more. We'll do some more on this. But I, I will go back on the internet and I, and I will pull up music that feeds my faith. I know I'm an imperfect human being. But I'm not going to feed on it. I'm going to stay righteous conscious. Amen. Amen. Take this. Praise the Lord. Amen. I'm actually going to add something to our, our altar this morning. And I want you to take this to heart, and we're going to do it as many Sundays as I guess I feel led to do it, but really you can do it any Sunday. I had a, I don't know if you all know who Dr. Youngie Cho is, but he has the largest church. I think he's passed away, but he had the largest church in America, over a million people. He said one of the biggest problems with American churches is that we come in and we spend a, a certain amount of time worshiping God, true. We have 
multiple services, different things. He has multiple services. But he did say something that was very good. He said, after the message is preached, we hear it, we're touched by God, but we don't actually do anything with it in our hearts. Come up and pray and say, okay, God, this was me this morning. And so the third request that I'm going to ask today, other than the other two that I always ask for every Sunday, is that if you're here in this place and the message touched your heart and you're like, you know what, I just need to pray. I just need to pray and I need to talk to God. I need to fellowship with him for just a few minutes. Come up at the altar. There's no one actually standing right up here. Come at the altar. Go on the other side over there by the steps that are shorter for shorter people. And I, don't, I know we don't have an actual bench here for you to lean down at. But if you feel the need to go, Lord, I want to spend some time with you. Or stay back in your seat. As the music's playing, we're asking that people don't start conversing. Once the people come forward, that you can converse out in the foyer. Amen. Once the doors are closed, then have, have a good time with your friends. But for those who want to actually say, God, I, I, this spoke to me today. I want to make some things right. Just come up here and kneel and spend some time. Don't be such in a rush to run out and go, it's time for me to get a hamburger. You know, let's, let's get it right with the Lord before the hamburger comes in. Amen. I love what Isaiah 9, 6 says, for unto us, not unto himself, not for God's sake, but for your sake. For unto us a child is born. Unto us. It was for us. Unto us a son is given. The Father God gave his son. It was a gift. And the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Terrible. Is he terrible? His name shall be called Idiot. No counselor. He's the smart genius. His name shall be called Weak God. No, he's the Mighty God. He's the God that runs out. The everlasting father. He's the everlasting father. He's the prince of peace. He's the prince of confusion. No, if there's confusion in your life, if there's weakness in your life, if there's terribleness in your life, there's a God and there's a Savior, and he was given to you. And your initial step is to receive him by faith and say, I believe, Jesus, that you were given to me by the Father God. You died on the cross for me. And I'm talking to you online, too. People are getting saved online. So I'm not just talking to you. I'm talking to people online. Jesus, you're the son of God. You died for me. Your blood was shed for me. Initially, you need to say, Jesus, come into my heart. Forgive me of my sin. And he will impart the gift of righteousness to you by faith. It's a gift. And he will make your spirit brand new. Brand new. You're a new creation. So if you don't ever remember doing that, come on up this morning because I can't guarantee altar workers come forward. I cannot guarantee what today looks like or tomorrow looks like because you're in the devil's hands. If you don't know Jesus and you don't have him as Lord, Satan can beat your brains out and he can do whatever he wants to you and carry you straight to hell. And I'm telling you the truth. There's a hell to shun and a heaven to gain. And so you need to make it right. Jesus said, today's the day of salvation. Don't wait. Amen. If you're here this morning again and you need prayer and agreement. We hope you enjoyed this message by Word of Life Church. We just wanted to let you know there's a lot more content on our website at wolapopka.com. From our YouTube channel, to our podcast, to our SoundCloud, and many more events. We also wanted to let you know that we love giving you these messages. And it helps us too that if you would love to give to the what we're doing, it helps keep all these messages free. You can just simply go to our website and click the big Give Now button. Or you can text 407-955-5345. And remember, our pastor's vision is this. We grow Christians. So we thank you for listening and we'll see you next time.